Do you have trouble seeing up close or far away? How about at night? I know I do. Go check out Design for Vision and Sunglass Central. They are the premier eye care center for all eyeglasses, sunglasses, and contact lenses in southeastern PA. Whether it is the quality eyeglasses, sunglasses, or contacts that you're looking for, their styles represent the latest in fashionable but affordable eyewear. Not only do they offer a wide selection of non-prescription brands, but they offer prescription lenses fabrication. Whether it's in-store or online, they carry all major brands such as Oakley, Dolce & Gabbana, Coach, Michael Kors, Ray-Ban, Maui Jim, Wiley X, and many more. With over 50 years of experience, Design for Vision and Sunglass Central are the best in fabrication, selection, and fitting of designer and specialty glasses. Design for Vision has convenient locations in Morrisville, Levittown, New Hope, Newtown, and Jameson. Sunglass Central can be found at the New Hope, Newtown, and Jameson locations. That's designforvision.com and sunglasscentral.net. This is Chet with Flow Racing. You're listening to the Four Wide Salute Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Four Wide Salute Podcast, presented by Line Decker Racing Engines. Head on over to Facebook, pop in J Line Decker Racing Engines into your search bar, and go see what Jason's got going on. A whole lot of stuff, apparently, as he and Line Decker Racing Engines will kick off our breaking news. Jason made a long post this past week, not to be rude to anyone, but just once everyone to understand how busy he really is at this time of year. As for those of you who don't know, the engine part of Leindecker Racing Engines and the machine shop and everything else is not Jason's full-time job. Jason is a police officer for a living. That's what realistically pays the bills and keeps everything running afloat. So his post did state that the folks from Superior Auto in Hellertown will now take over the auto repair portion of Coopersburg Auto Parts, which is all tied together. The machine shop and race engines did not change at all. That is still Jason and his team. Everything will remain the same for the auto repair portion, same address, same phone, same services, same name. Please utilize the shop phone number, which is 610-798-9220, and employees will be able to assist you. This is for everyone that reaches out to Jason directly, either via phone, text, Facebook Messenger. He does not keep his phone in his hand like a lot of people do nowadays, and he can miss things due to how busy he really is and not having his phone so he suggests that those of you who reach out to him that cannot get an answer to please utilize that phone number. Once again, it is 610-798-9220. And you'll probably get service quicker and more efficiently that way than trying to reach out to him personally. But the fact that he is so busy, that's a good thing. On to USAC news. 
Jason Persley, former guest of the show, has now made his schedule even busier for 2023. We all know he did sign on with KO Motorsports to run a USAC wingless sprint car this year and already picked up a win. Well, now he will be piloting a Reinbold Underwood midget entry for 2023. We saw Dason and Reinbold Underwood pair up at the Chili Bowl and had a really great car, very fast. Mishap during his, his qualifier on Tuesday night, but that does not take away from the fact that this is a good pairing. They seem to mesh well, and now we will see them chase the USAC midget schedule as well. So congratulations to both, and wish you nothing but the best. In sprint car news, the man behind Walkopedia, which we have all come to love, Brian Walker, has now taken on a new role within the winged division. Brian is joining the High Limit Sprint Car Series as Chief Creative Officer. Very unique position, but I also feel that this is very fitting. Be sure to follow Brian on Twitter. He, I'm sure, will keep Wikipedia updated. I'm sure his personal account is still active. And pay attention to that High Limit Series Twitter page, especially on race nights. He is very active. Lineups, results, information regarding, you know, things that come up on the track, guys that are breaking or pitting or whatever the case is. B-Walks is full of information. If you are active on Twitter and like to follow along during race nights, especially, make sure you click that follow button. And for those of you who were really worried over Logan Wagner's cryptic tweet a while back, worry no more. Zemco Racing has cleared the air as they await today's 35th season opener for the team at Port Royal, of course. Logan Wagner will return as the wheelman of the historic number one. Also in Sprint Car News on the Hefner Racing Enterprises side of things, Chris Windham and Hefner Racing have paired up for some select shows prior to the beginning of the All-Star Circuit of Champions schedule. Now, there is a little bit of a big gap here between the All-Stars running in Florida to when they're actually kicking off their season, which has now allowed Chris Windham and Hefner to pair up. I'm sure we will see them run a lot of the season opener stuff in Central PA. And we'll see what happens when the All-Stars do start up. And so who will be fielding the Hefner ride with the wing on top? I really don't know at this point if there's a clear candidate. This caught me well off guard, especially after last week's news with Wyndham and Lane Racing pairing up. Did not expect this to come. And they did run Lincoln yesterday and did not look too shabby. So we shall see what happens here. Also in Hefner Racing news, the Hefner South team that primarily runs USAC East Coast and 360 wing shows have named their new driver. Steven Snyder Jr. will now be the pilot of the former Bill Gallagher owned 5G car, which has now taken on the infamous number 27 number and paired up with Hefner Racing Enterprises. I think this is good. I think Steven Snyder Jr., despite what many others may think, I think he does have a lot of talent to show. 
And last but not least, for those of you who are looking to be a part of racing and something big, this is more directed at college students at the current moment. Dirt Car is hiring for the Summer Nationals, or Hell Tour as we call it. They made a post. If you are in college, head on over to wrgjobs.com and apply for their marketing intern position. Benefits will include college credits. You'll also get paid for this internship and lodging and meals will be provided. So again, if you're out there in the summer, you're off of school looking for something to do, you're into racing, there's a lot of benefits to be had here. I know when we did our episode with Danny Buck, he addressed that he went and helped wrench on someone's car during Hell Tour and it was a great experience. Yes, it's a lot of racing in a short amount of time, but the experience, you cannot put a price on that or how valuable that is. So once again, for those of you in college, head on over to wrgjobs.com. On to our results. Yes, results. We already covered last weekend as I aired this episode later in the day. We're going to fly on over to Friday night. World of Outlaw Late Models Tennessee tip-off Smoky Mountain Speedway in Tennessee. The entire weekend for this event, two-day show, was rained out earlier in the week. They now have rescheduled this event to be run as a one-day show on Thursday, March 16th. That'll be on Dirt Vision, and that is a precursor to another two-day weekend on Friday and Saturday that weekend that will be run, I believe, at Boyd's. So three-day three day show for you late model fans. You just have to wait a little bit longer for this one in particular. Also on Friday night, Schaefer's Oil Spring National Series, Swainsboro Raceway in Georgia, $10,053 to win. Brandon Overton picking up the win over Sam Seawright, Mike Marler, Ethan Dotson, and Carson Ferguson, rounding out the top five. Moving on over to Saturday, we're going to go right back at it to the Schaefer's Oil Spring Nationals, this time at Sonoy Raceway in Georgia. $10,053 to win that as well. Boy, a lot to talk about with this event. And I'm going to take it from this. Tracks have a very difficult decision to make at all times, especially when weather comes into play. And I'm going to be completely honest. Most times, it's a lose-lose situation. You're up shit creek without a paddle when rain comes down. Because for one, everyone likes to air their opinion. Well, you should have raced. Well, you should have canceled. Listen, there were a lot of people complaining and said that this race should have never happened. But I can guarantee you if they were to cancel, Every one of them would have said, why didn't you run? You're screwed either way. They tried to race. And I mean tried. They had three consecutive days of heavy rain and they tried to race. I don't fault them for that. It's a difficult decision to make. Once again, they cancel. Everyone's going to be pissed off. They're out there trying to make money just like everyone else's. They would have lost money had they not ran. But they tried. Now. For those of you who go to the races on a consistent basis, most tracks, you'll notice, run slower cars first for hot laps or qualifying or time trials or even heat races. And usually you progress your way towards the faster cars, the high horsepower cars. 
the ones that when they get sideways are going to really lean on that track a lot and they're going to dig in. Well, they had eight, eight divisions on the card yesterday and they tried like hell. They ran a lot of other supporting classes first with hot laps and time trials. Didn't really have a whole lot of big issues. But when the super late models came out last night, it got rough. It got very rough. I'm not knocking them for that. We've seen that happen everywhere. I don't care what division, where the track is. We've seen it. It's the nature of the beast. This is the shit that happens with weather mixing with clay or dirt or material or silt or sand, whatever you want to call it. This is what happens. Well, they ran their hot laps. They ran time trials. And it did not get any better. They had 43 cars in attendance. 24 of those cars opted to load up prior to the heat races yesterday. And I don't fault any of them for doing that. These cars that they have, motor included, are very, very, very expensive. You don't want to go out knowing a track is not in great condition tear up more shit to have to buy more shit. That sounds stupid. So I don't fault Sonoy for trying to race. I don't fault the Spring Nationals for trying to race. And I also don't fault the drivers for saying, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. Now, yes, some of these drivers did air their grievances in a little bit of a rude way yesterday, but they're allowed to, just like you fans are allowed to. No one should be bashed directly for this. Again, it's a lose-lose. They try. It just didn't work. Sonoy made a post after the night was over admitting that they probably shouldn't have proceeded with this event. And I appreciate that. It's nice when tracks or promoters or whomever else will admit that they made the wrong call. And I liked it because a lot of people started commenting, you know what? We appreciate your honesty. We appreciate you trying. Yeah, it didn't work out. But to the guys that are saying, well, you should have never raced. It's not your call to make. It's not your track. It's not your series. It's not your drivers in the pits. You don't have a car that is in competition. And even if you did, you have the full ability to say, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to knock them. Like I said, rain can fuck up some shit big time. So in the end, they made their best judgment call and they owned up to it. So after it was all said and done at Sonoy, Will Harrington was your winner over Ross Bales, Parker Martin Jr., Hayden Cohen, and Peyton Freeman rounding out the top five. On to Lincoln. Yes, Lincoln Speedway did run yesterday. Modified Madness. 410 sprint cars, 358 modifieds. Let's go to the 410s portion of things. 29 cars showed up. I got to be honest. In the grandstands, I saw Danny Dietrich, Alan Crimes on your front row. I thought this race is over. At one point, Danny Dietrich had the lead by quite a bit. I may have motioned a yawning sign to someone because I thought this was going to be a runaway Danny Dietrich race. Was I wrong? 
Freddie Raymer started 15th yesterday, and I thought there was no chance in hell. One of the restarts somewhere through 12 to go, somewhere around there, he was in fifth. I was, where the hell did he come from? He did his job. That's what he did. And let me tell you, when he ran down Danny for the lead, Danny was screwed. Freddie was fast, and I mean fast. And congratulations to those two guys. We know there's been bad blood over the years. There's been bickering and wrecking and all kinds of stuff going on. They raced each other very clean, and they were racing each other hard, but they did it clean. That was great to see. Little Freddie ended up your winner once again from 15th. Danny Dietrich in second. Alan Crimes third. Tim Wagaman fourth. Chad Trout rounding out the top five. Now let's go to the modified side of things. 11 cars showed up. Now, my take on that, booking a modified show outside of modified tracks is very difficult. Just as it is booking a 410 sprint car show outside of Central PA. Booking shows for 410s is near impossible because you don't have any home track support, so you can't bank on any of your regulars to go. And you got to hope that you're putting up enough money that it'll be lucrative and make them guys want to show up. But you can't put up too much money because then if you only do get 11 cars, well, you're still advertising that you're going to pay them a lot of money. And now you really just lost your ass. Now, on the modified side of things, spec modifieds, the spec 358 modifieds are very limited as basically they only run at four tracks. You have Grandview, you have Big Diamond, you have New Egypt, you have Bridgeport. That's it. Now, they're asking those guys to travel west. From Jersey, that's a long drive. I know Billy Jr. said it takes him about three hours to get from his home to Big Diamond. Now we're talking even further west. You also are in March, beginning of March. Season doesn't start for the spec guys until April at most tracks. Now, the problem with that is a lot of guys are low budget or they're good, but they don't have a plethora of money. There's a lot of guys that run these things that don't have a true car owner that's loaded. Not everyone has Tony Stewart owning their race cars or whomever. So these guys ask for sponsor money and their primary responsibility is to run the weekly shows where their sponsors can come every week or every other week or multiple times and they can see their car on the track that has their logo and that's what they want to see. So a lot of guys prepare to be ready for April, not March. So it makes it very difficult. Then let's factor in that it did rain Friday night and some guys may have thought that the track might not be good. So again, they opted to stay home. Just like Sonoy, all them guys could have stayed home. So you have that that plays in. Then you have to look at it too where it was three grand to win. I'm not knocking Lincoln for that. But that's what Grandview and Diamond pay on a weekly basis. Bridgeport's 2500 I think New Egypt is going to be somewhere around 3000 if not more, to win each week. So there's no big incentive to go. This isn't a 5000 or 10000 to win show where, well, maybe we should get ready a couple weeks early or 
risk going through some tires or some fuel or whatever the case is because we could potentially make some good money. So there's that. Plus, Hagerstown runs on Saturday, and then it's Sealands Grove, and then it's Bridgeport. You have all these races coming up. And also along with Sealands Grove, you have BAPS running the same day. So there's all these races coming up, and I feel like the first one is usually the sacrificial lamb because the guys know they still have chances to run elsewhere. And then after Bridgeport, you also have Williams Grove that Friday night. Then you have New Egypt and Grandview opening, and then everything's rolling downhill from there. It's really tough to get cars anymore. So what can Lincoln do? Can they run it in the middle of the summer? I don't think so. Because now you're asking them to bring in a division that doesn't primarily run there in the middle of the week while you're going to have a lot of guys doing the exact same thing they did yesterday going, well, I want to make sure my car is good for the weekend because that's when we primarily need to race. And then you have that. Can you make it open to other motor combinations? I don't think so. You can do that. It's probably going to help the guys that were already there that have other motor combinations. But I don't know that you're going to get guys to come from New York or Delaware that have other stuff. I think it's still too far of a distance. The top end of the purse is still not there. It's just really tough. Can you book it in October when all the tracks are all but done? You could, but the problem is there's also a lot of guys who go, well, the season's over, so am I. Or there is other stuff going on in the month of October. That's why I think BAPS waits till November to have a race. Nothing else is going on. So there's so many issues when it comes to trying to book something like this. Hats off for giving it an attempt. I was stoked to see Modifies on that track at Lincoln. I've never seen them there. The feature was really good for 11 cars. 10 started. Cozy DNS, he had some issues. Lasowski pulled off early. Nine guys finished. And I thought the race for the top five was actually really good, considering it was car count for a heat race. Thought it was fantastic. Honestly, if Freddie didn't win from 15th, I would have said the Modifieds put on a better show. So now what do they do? I don't know. It's hard. It's super hard. And again, if they would have advertised 10 grand to win and had 11 cars, well, those 11 guys would have been really happy that they have a realistic chance here because we're going to start at worst the first five rows. But then you really lose your ass because you're not getting your pit passes for all these teams. You're probably going to end up with less fans in the grandstand. There's a lot of things that come with it, and then it's a lose-lose. So again, just like Sonoy, this is not easy at all. Look, when we book our 410 show at Big Diamond, we have to do it the weekend of Knoxville because the Grove, Lincoln, and Port are all dark. They give that as an accommodation for these guys. So the guys that run there that want to go to Knoxville, you're not sacrificing a point title or anything like that. We have to we have to go into booking that show knowing our Brent Marks, our Anthony Macri, our Danny Dietrichs are not going to be there because they are going to take their talents to Knoxville to try to win 175000 Rightfully so. 
So we have to go in knowing that and realistically put a lot of weight on the guys that don't travel, that also want to consistently keep racing and are okay going somewhere they don't run on a normal basis. And that worked last year. And I think that we put on a good enough show and ran an effective and efficient show that we will bring back the same car count, the same guys, a lot of returns because they enjoyed themselves when they were there. But this is where it's fucking hard. And let's don't forget everywhere has got midweek shows now. You don't have to wait seven days to go race again anymore. There's so much shit going on between traveling series, specials, uh, promoters that, you know, like Bob Miller has additional shows at Grandview on top of what they already do. I I think that's why us at Big Diamond kind of stay away from a lot of midweek stuff is, well, for one, it takes a lot of extra work, a lot of extra work. And then if you rain it out, well, now what? Now you really just wasted a lot more time that you didn't need to waste. Not saying that's the case everywhere, but some things you have to think about in a different way. But there's so much other stuff going on. We just say, you know what? We'll, we'll just, our Friday night program is solid. Let's just keep it that way. But between Super Dirt, between Short Track Super Series, this new All Elite Racing Series, which is a, an up and coming thing with Dylan Swinehart, then you have the Bob Miller promoted shows, Bridgeport run specials, New Egypt's gonna run some specials. There's just so much shit going on. And then it's not that far of a drive to go to New York and run some of this stuff, too. It's not far to go run stuff in Delaware. And the spring car side of things, you have outlaw stops. You have all-star stops. You know, they both go to New York, too, where some of these guys want to go venture to and run some new tracks or different stuff. And there is just so much right now. And from a fan's perspective, I think it's great. I know I have three races I can watch today. I love it. But when it comes down to a track trying to put on a show, not stepping on anyone's toes with booking too close to their event or the day before their event or whatever the case is, it is the hardest job in racing, I'm going to say. Promoting and booking a solid schedule and not pissing anyone off And trying to assure you're going to have a good car count is near impossible. And in the end of the modified feature, Dwayne Howard was your winner over Mike Guler, Rick Laubach, Loudon Reimert, and Billy Pouch Jr. rounding out the top five. A four-wide salute podcast, top five at Lincoln. Attaboy. Those were your results. On to our upcoming events. Short Track Super Series Elite. Saturday, mods in the Mid-Atlantic Hagerstown Speedway down in Maryland. Modifieds are going to run 50 laps for 12,000 to win. 602 Crate Sportsman on hand as well for 2,000 to win. I expect a very, very good car count for this show. Let's hope Mother Nature plays nice. That'll be on Flow Racing for those of you not in attendance. World of Outlaws Sprints starting with today. Sprint Car Showdown, Volusia Speedway Park in Florida. Tomorrow, Monday, Sprint Car Showdown, night number two, Volusia Speedway Park in Florida as well. And then Friday and Saturday, Speed Palace, season opener, Port Royal Speedway. And again, all four of those nights will be on Dirt Vision. 
Extreme Outlaw Midgets, Friday and Saturday. Extreme Outlaw Midget Showdown, Southern Illinois Center, Ducoin, Illinois. 4000 to win on Friday, 5000 to win on Saturday. And again, both of those will be on Dirt Vision as well. Southern All-Stars, which I typically don't cover the whole schedule, but while we're still searching for things to watch on our streaming services, well, let's bring that up. March Badness today, Cherokee Speedway, South Carolina, 20000 to win. And of course, Port Royal season opener today, 410s running for 5000 to win and Super Elite models on hand. 4,000 to end, and again, that is on Flow Racing. Those are your upcoming events. Those were your results. As always, thank you to all of our followers and subscribers. Like and share the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Smash that five-star rating button on all the podcast platforms. And of course, a big thank you to Kenny Bruce and Bill Brown and Company for the support. On to this week's episode. Was I lying to you? I told you, some of you guys, your heads are going to pop off. Craig Von Doren on the Four Wide Salute podcast for the first time. Thank you to Craig for accepting the invitation and a great conversation. I enjoyed myself during this one. I think with Craig not doing a ton of interviews, a ton of podcasts, a ton of uh, social media stuff, he's relatively on the quiet side. I think there was a lot of opportunity to ask a lot of things that were not already known. But again, great conversation. Um, Dig into some of Craig's feats in his career. Most recently, the Dirt Motorsports Hall of Fame induction last year uh, up there in Weed Sport. And we dive into that as well as what's on his agenda this year. Uh, You know, running his local stuff and not touring, quote unquote, as much anymore. And um, all kinds of stuff in the middle of that. And of course, the green white checkered segment. So until next time. Enjoy the show. Are you looking to make your mark in the construction world? Join the growing crew at Pioneer Pole Buildings. Does switching up your routine interest you? Look no further than Pioneer Pole Buildings. Pioneer Pole Buildings travels to seven states on a regular basis and returns home most evenings. Would you like to be paid travel time and extra money when you do have to stay overnight? They have that covered too. They have full-time positions on their crews constructing pole barns. Pioneer also completes re-roofs, additions, insulation and interior liner, as well as custom builds. Pioneer Pole Buildings is looking for carpenters based out of the Schuylkill Haven, Reinholds, Nutripoli, and Upper Black Eddy areas. You can contact Pioneer Pole Buildings through their Facebook page, or on the web at ppb1.com or via telephone at 1-800-448-2505 or you can contact Jess directly at 570-739-0078 extension 132. Pioneer Pole Buildings could be your future. On this week's episode of the Four Wide Slew Podcast, I have with me probably the guest of them all that needs no introduction, Mr. CVD himself, Craig Von Dorn. Craig, well, I want to touch first and foremost on the induction into the Dirt Hall of Fame. I mean, wow. 
I think the guys that don't run a lot of the Super Dirt Car Series kind of get overlooked from time to time, and rightfully so. Now you're a Hall of Famer. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I think in 10 years, it'll it'll sink in more. You know, right now, I just, you know, we're still racing and, you know, um, but it, it's pretty cool. I mean, the event was really nice and um, it's a neat place up there. If anybody hasn't been up there to see the, you know, the facility there at Weedsport, um, it, it's it's pretty neat place and a lot of uh, history and um, it, it was pretty spectacular, actually. Yeah, I mean, just to look around and see the the names that have been there, you know, when you got there, and I'm sure a lot of great names are coming afterwards, too. And, you know, to your point, you're still active and still at the top of your game. Um, You know, you put up numbers this past year, a ton of wins at Grandview and arguably was the most dominant car for sure. And to be inducted into a Hall of Fame while you're still uh, still hitting home runs pretty frequently is a little bit different than, you know, the main sports where you have to be out for so many years. But, yeah, it's, um, you know, you're always going to be compared to the other two guys that have been alongside you the whole way through. And you're the first one. So, I mean, you'll always have that over those two guys, too. But, um, yeah, so how does the whole process work? I mean, how were you notified? Was Is there someone in particular that gave you a call one day? You know, how that whole thing come about? Yeah, it was uh, Buffy Swanson uh, called me one day and, you know, told me what was happening. And she obviously did a story and, and you know, talked about things and, you know, the, the, all the different, you know, all the different tracks that we have run at and, and my stats, which she knew. I, I don't really keep up with my stats. I don't know much of what I did other than what people tell me sometimes. So, um, you know, she had a lot of things. I filled in some of her blanks that she had, um, best they could. And, and, uh, she did a really good job. She's, you know, she wrote that, um, you know, she, she's, she wrote the book there with on, on top senior and, and, uh, she loves her racing. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. You know, I just had Lance DeWeese on the other week and in between arranging this call with you and talking to Lance, I can't help but compare, uh, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, I consider Lance to be, you know, a relatively quiet guy in comparison to his fellow competitors. And I would definitely say the same about you. You definitely keep to yourself for the most part on race night. And, uh, you know, the stats wise are pretty parallel as well. I don't know anyone else that has over 100 wins at Grandview or Diamond, let alone both. So and and Lance is that guy with the Grove and Port Royal. So there's a lot of similarities there. And, um, you know, I think when that time ever comes, when you're done and you hang up your helmet for good, I mean, you're probably the best to ever come out of Berks County, let alone the, the small block spec stuff in Pennsylvania. And you've made your statement in other areas as well. I mean, a lot of, a lot of success in Delaware, you definitely have success in, in Jersey and, and whatnot. You know, it's, uh, it is, it's crazy to think hall of famer, but you're still, like I said, you're still swinging for the fences every time you're out. Um, you know, you brought up Buffy Swanson and, and the book deal. Do you think that's ever a route you would contemplate going down once you're, once you're looking back? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm, uh, I, I don't think so. Um, 
you know, Billy had a really, really stellar career. I mean, I, I had a good career, you know, I, I think Billy had a, a, a stellar career uh, where he can write a book. I mean, more stories and more things. Um, you know, getting back to the Berks County thing, I, I, I don't feel, I think Kenny Wrightbill is uh, far superior um, in, in uh, what he has accomplished and what I did. So um, I, I still look up to him and I feel he's still the, the Birch County King, you know, you got Tommy Hendershitz who, you know, was in his era and, you know, it's, you know, there's different eras and, you know, you know, who, who the best is or, or whatever is, is hard to, you know, hard to say, but I, I honestly feel Kenny's the, Kenny's the goat uh, for Birch County and, and beyond. Yeah. It's, it's so hard. I was just asked the other day to, contemplate the top 25 big block small block modified drivers in history and it it's funny it it all came down to that michael jordan lebron james kind of conversation where well we're talking so many different eras i mean it's it's insane you can't you know you're you're well aware back in the day guys were building their own stuff now it's you know finding the little tweaks to make you better than the next guy when they can have the same motor as you, they can have, they have the same body, the same shocks. I mean, it's all now it's down to, you know, decimal points realistically, but um, yeah, I mean, Kenny's numbers are nothing to shake a stick at whatsoever. But one thing about your career, I, I think it's quietly happened. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, they were making a big deal over Sammy Swindell had 40-some years in a row with a feature win. And then, of course, Alan Johnson still has it going, I think, at 48. I didn't realize this, but you're at 43 consecutive years. It's crazy to think you've been racing that long. Yeah. Yeah, I told... Um... I, I told uh, I don't know, a couple, I don't know, <laughs> last year sometime, I don't know what it was, but uh, Brett Deo, uh, it was his birthday, and I think he turned 42 or something, and I, I made the comment to him that I've been winning races longer than he's old, and uh, we, we both laughed, and but it, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty weird, actually, that it's, that it's been that long. I mean, it doesn't seem that long, but... You know, we had a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, races under our belts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and nowadays there's so many opportunities to go run so much stuff. Um, you know, at no offense at your age, I mean, you're no young chicken anymore. But, um, you know, there's so many opportunities to go out there and run so many different things. So many midweek shows are going on. How do you determine what's enough for you? I mean, some guys are chasing, I mean, what Shepard almost ran a hundred races last year, running everything. And again, I know age comes into a factor and you don't want to wear yourself out, but you're also still competing at a very high level. How do you dictate what's enough for you where you're comfortable at each year? Well, we just kind of, you know, last year we really, last winter, uh, we just decided, you know, we're going to cut back some of this stuff and, you know, not chase as many, you know, midweek things and, you know, going to, you know, Delaware and getting home, you know, early morning and getting up to the shop and, you know, uh, turning the, you know, washing cars and turning the trailer over to go to Big Diamond that night. And, you know, we just cut back a little bit and, 
Um, I, I think that helped with our performance. Uh, you know, we heard an engine at Big Diamond um, first or second week, and kind of really put us behind the eight ball. We kind of were searching and struggling and, and until we got that thing back. And um, then we were, I thought we were really good at the end of the year. Um, for I thought we had a good car up there. So, you know, getting back to what you're saying, um, how do we decide, um, you know, we're just sticking closer to home this year again. Uh, you know, uh, with Grandview coming back, it's huge. Uh, Thunder in the Hill races, um, you know, we, we, we sold, I sold the big block. Um, we don't have any, we don't have any big block stuff anymore. So, uh, it's us, you know, we have four spec cars, uh, with Brucey and, you know, between Bruce and, and, and Dave and, um, you know, we're just gonna diamond and Grandview and, you know, we're going to go to Williams Grove and, um, you know, BAPS there and, and bridge sports and shows and, um, yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Lincoln here this weekend, uh, weather-wise, but uh, we're just going to pick and choose close to home, good paying races. I mean, we, we you know, our, our stuff's, you know, diamond, right? Three, four thousand to win every night, you know, special shows, four thousand, and, and um, you know, Grand use the same way, three grand, and it's close to home, and uh, I don't need to go to Delaware to, to, to for thirty five hundred dollars and kind of wear ourselves out uh, at this stage. Um, you know, crew helps a problem. Um, you know, guys have families and you know guys are working and you know they can get away weekends, but you know it's tough to you know to leave at noon on a Wednesday and get home at you know two a.m. Uh, Thursday morning. So. Um, we're all getting older and, and, um, so we're just going to stay close to home again and, and hopefully have another good year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's insane. What's, I mean, and it's good that there's all these opportunities. It, it definitely is, but sometimes less is more, you know, focus on your, on your home games necessarily. And as long as you're content with that, then there's nothing wrong with that either, you know? And, um, you know, Again, two tracks you've had a lot of success at and still have success at. Why focus on other things that might distract you from those tasks? And in the end, you might end up with a mediocre year and go, well, why would we do that? So that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, there's there's a lot of work that goes into these cars. And, and you know, it's just, it's just more than just showing up to a race. I mean, there's, there's tire prep and... Um, you know, just maintenance and, and, and shock prep. And, and there's just so much that goes into a, you know, uh, going to a race and it's just harder. It's just harder for us. And, you know, this is what we're comfortable with now and it's just the way we're going to do it. Right. Right. I mean, and you have by far the largest fan base between both of those tracks we're talking of. I'll argue maybe Billy Jr. has more in the state of Jersey, but your fan base is outrageous. They're everywhere. Um, you know, and you get to go support those guys and entertain those people every weekend. I mean, that's that's a great thing, too. It's not a matter of, you know, again, throwing focus elsewhere and maybe not being as successful on a Friday and Saturday. I think the people in the grandstands appreciate that, too. So that's always a good thing. Um, so you brought up Grandview. I got to ask, and I think you're the first person I'm actually going to ask this question to, you know, when the news came out, I think everyone's mouse hit the floor, 
but you as a driver, a successful driver, track champion, 76er winner, that's your home on a Saturday. It's been that way. What went through your mind and maybe discussions when that news hit as to, well, what now? Yeah, we didn't really, we didn't really do the what now until, um, you know, the season was over. Obviously, you know, the, it came about a month before the season was over or whatever, three weeks. And so we just, you know, concentrated on what we were doing and, you know, uh, finished the year and then kind of, you know, we're still doing some, you know, big block racing in Delaware and, and, you know, um, different things. We have Port Royal. And so now we got into, uh, you know, October and, you know, then you heard grumblings at the township. They were, you know, things weren't going smooth. So we just were optimistic and, you know, figured why worry about something we didn't have to worry about. And, you know, cross our bridge and we get to it. And that's kind of what we did. And, you know, then the news broke there in, you know, uh, the end of October, November, whatever it was. And um, so we really, <laughs> we didn't really stress too much about it because, you know, we weren't going to change anything. So why stress? True, true. Uh, I know a lot of uh, sportsmen guys in particular, man, I'd never seen that many cars for sale so quick all at once. It was like the end of the world was coming and trying to salvage what they could. And, you know, I know guys had moments, you know, I know Strunky went out there after the night was over and just did a quick pace lap and everyone was taking photos and taking dirt. I mean, it was it was a huge ordeal. Um, you know, thankful that we still have a place for everyone to go to every Saturday night, which is a great thing. And, uh, I mean, not a lot of tracks can say they've been around 60 years. That's just not a thing anymore. Um, you know, we have Middletown still hanging around after a hundred. I mean, that's, that's rare. That just doesn't happen anymore. But it's, it's weird when you think about the end coming for some of these places. And I don't think it, it really sinks into what everyone's been able to endure and see and, and enjoy all of those years. So, yeah, I, I think it was a uh, everyone got so mad. And I think it was because it was like finding out your girlfriend was leaving without warning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely hard. But, you know, I, I said all along, it's, you know, some of the comments that were made were kind of unfair to the, the Rogers family, too. You know, they absolutely. Were, you know, they, it's not, it's, you know, the Rogers have been there every Saturday for 60 years. Right. And, you know, there's, there's fans that they have weddings or they want to go on vacation and, and they, they skip a Saturday, you know, several a year maybe. And, you know, so it's not Grandview's responsibility to have, a place for those people to, to go all the time. So I thought, I thought Graham, you got treated a little unfairly there, but, um, you know, other than that, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's back and hopefully the fans and, and the people are a little, um, easygoing, so to speak, uh, you know, and grateful that Grandview's back, you know, hopefully they don't remember that we almost lost the place and they, they, you know, flex a little bit or bend a little bit when the situation happens or, you know, realize what they almost lost, what we all almost lost. Right, right. I mean, I still hear stories about 
everyone up in arms when, you know, Flemington and East Windsor and Reading and Penn National. And there's still people to this day that are still just disgruntled about it. Like, well, that was years ago. It's crazy. You know, I have heard some of the most outrageous things from people. You know, a driver takes off one weekend to go quarter midget racing with his son and everyone's like, well, he should be here. He should be racing. This is why I, why isn't he here? And I'm like, are you, do you hear yourself? Like it, it's, it's ridiculous. Just wait, man. That day comes that you retire. There's going to be so many pissed off people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, but it's, you know, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, I, I missed a lot of picnics and weddings and, um, things over the years that, that I just committed to racing and, and, um, you know, just, I missed, I missed a bunch of things. So, um, you know, and I, you know, just getting back to the Rogers, you know, it's just not, not fair the way they were kind of hammered there a little bit, um, you know, by, by certain people that, you know, all they do is buy keys of beer and they're ready for the races every week. Right. Exactly. I mean, there's, man, I, I've learned so much from being on the other side of that fence, at least from a track management perspective. Holy shit, there's so much that goes into the possibility of a rain of a rain out. And there's still so much work that goes in with the anticipation that you may still race, even though you're probably going to cancel. And you guys go through the same thing. Even if the rain may come, you still got to make sure your car's ready because it may not rain. So, um, you know, and again, to your point, these guys can just sit at home until, oh, we're racing. Oh, I guess I got to go buy beer, get some food, whatever. And it's a completely different situation. But every sport has those uh, armchair quarterbacks and whatnot. But that's just the way it's always going to be. You know, one thing I wanted to bring up, too, I know specifically two individuals between Jared Umbenhauer and Brad Arnold have been kind of a part of your circle for quite some time and they've helped you know wrench on your stuff when they're not racing and whatnot how has it been kind of uh playing mentor to those two guys in particular Yeah, well, I don't know that I really mentor anybody, you know, I mean, people, you know, they hang around, they see the way we do things, um, you know, they, they see the way, you know, you, 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 you handle situations, I guess that, I guess that's mentoring, um, but I, I didn't really sit down and say, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that, you know, anything like that, so, um, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm glad if, if, if I help, you know, if I help anybody, you know, uh, them, those two or, or anyone else, I mean, um, you know, it's, we, we need to keep this rolling as long as we can. Do you have um, a lot of the younger guys, you know, asking you questions, asking for advice between running Fridays and Saturdays? There's a lot of young kids that are coming up through. Do you have, do you have guys approach you and ask you some stuff? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I think it's, I, I think they probably feel like I felt, uh, you know, when I started asking Doug Hoffman or, or Kenny Brightbill advice, right? I, I didn't ask, I didn't ask anybody nothing, right? Because they were, 
you know, they were the guys. So maybe, you know, maybe I, I don't get a lot of people asking me questions. You know, maybe they're afraid of me or, or you know, too timid to ask, as I was um, 40 years ago. No, that that could very well be. I mean, we've, we've addressed it. You're very quiet. You're very focused on race night. I've come to learn that, um, you know, and that's just how some people really are. Some are there to have a whole ton of fun and goof off and socialize. And, uh, and, and that's every, each individual's prerogative to do what they do. And some sure. guys are successful doing that. Um, yeah. But, you know, hey, Dale Earnhardt was not the most sociable person. And then a lot of people attest to that. And we see how that played out, right? So, um, yeah, everyone's got their own path. And, um, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping as time goes by, people, you know, tend to realize that you're not very intimidating. You're, you're just on the quiet side and, you know, you're definitely approachable. Um you know, that just might be a misconception amongst the, the masses. But um, so, um, you know, your career started before I was born. So that tells you how old you are. Um, <clears throat> how did you get your foot in the door? Where did this whole journey start for you? Uh, just my family. Uh, we ran um, we ran go-karts, my brother and I. And then um, he got a... He bought a car, and um, and we stopped running go karts, and and we just kind of, you know, just dabbled with you know a year or two. Then then he got a ride with the, well, I got I guess we both got cars at the family farm there, and then um, and he got riding one twenty six, and and then you know more there's more focus on on me, um, you know, getting a, a better car and a better mother and. Um, and that's kind of how I got started. And, and then, um, you know, um, then I got into 126, uh, my brother stepped aside from the sport and, and, um, I got into 126 and that lasted a bunch of years. And then I don't know where I went next, but we've, we've been, we've been, I've driven for a lot of good, good teams. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I told Heineman when I was at his shop when I had him on the show, I, I said, I did the math if you count all of the 76er winners, just the ones that were at any point in time in his ride, all of you account for more than half the 76er wins. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, between yourself, Billy, uh, you know, Strunky, Gooler. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's insane. You guys have more than half the Sixer wins. And then, of course, Glenn's like, well, only... Only I think six or eight of those are mine, so that's not that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I understand you dabbled in some sprint car racing early on. Is that true? Yeah, with with Glenn, uh, we ran URC and four uh, tens to Grove and Port Royal, um, Seals Grove. Yeah, and you didn't care for it too much or well you gotta when you do sprint cars you gotta be all in and we kind of you know we we would we would run you know we were we were modified racers or you know and and we we'd go we'd go race a sprint car here and there or or you know and we were you know we had good stuff i mean you know we you know, we had good cars and good engines and, but you know, if, it's like anything else. If you're not doing it all the time, you're, 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 
you're just an also ran and that's kind of what we were i mean we had a good run and you know a couple times i, I think my first time out in a, in a 410 we got second at hagerstown uh dave blaney won and we got second and we thought we guess we were all pretty you know <laughs> thinking it was easy or something i don't know but it went downhill from there so could you imagine your career if you guys would have taken that second at Hagerstown and said, you know what, we're going to do this. We're going to pull a Fred Raymer. We're just going to we're just going to make the switch with this uh, this open cockpit seat thing and just kind of go. And damn, can you imagine if your career would have went down the 410 path and ended up in central PA? And wow. Woo. Yeah, that would have been. A different story then, but you know who, who knows. I mean, that's a that's a tough that's a tough racket, a tough world, and and uh, you know I, I don't know if I was just you know I, I'm a little more aggressive. You know I don't know if sprint cars are kind of my bag, but um, you know not 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 saying the sprint car drivers aren't aggressive. I I, I mean I you know I guess I'm just used to you know you sometimes you got to move people if you have to or. You know, right. where you don't do that stuff in sprint cars. Well, no, because then that's when guys are 20 feet in the air. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a no-no. But, um, yeah, I mean, what do you think? So I, I want to propose this question to you and just get your opinion on this. So we see a lot of guys that are switching around in different divisions and um, even some of the 410 guys doing this late model thing. Do you think if the opportunity were to present itself with – our Northeast style modifieds that those guys would be able to adapt and, and maybe get used to the center steer and, and the, the heaviness of it. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you adapt, you know, he figure everybody figures it out, you know, some, some sooner than others, but, um, you know, I, I would think everybody would be able to sort of figure it out, honestly. Okay. I was just curious. I saw, I saw Brady Bacon put a feeler out there um, after I think he was watching Volusia or something. And it's like, I, I got to get myself a, some seat time in one of these things. And everyone was going ballistic. Like, oh, my God, a USAC guy wants to run a modified. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just don't see it. You know, I know Larson had an opportunity a couple of times at, at Grandview to possibly get in someone's backup car or something and it just never came to fruition and oh my god that everyone would have lost their mind if he would have rolled yeah. out in a modified cheese um you know so we talk about last year being so successful at grandview and how did the the whole bruce brucey thing come together because i gotta tell you as long as I've been going to Grandview that I can remember, it's Craig Von Dorn in the 1C, and that was just, that was a staple. That was as good as getting to the track at the same location. That was a given. Yeah. How did the whole transition take place? I mean, caught me off guard in both regards, you not being in the 1C, and then he's with Brucey now? Like, how did this whole thing go down? Well, you know, with doing my own you know, having my own cars, I mean, we had, you know, it was Bob Green from Pioneer Pole Building and, and Keith Herring and um, <clears throat> Ed Nowatarski, Eastern Rigging. I mean, we had, basically, I had the car full. And, and you know, Brucey came on board and, uh, you know, I, I, the only room left on the car for advertisement was 
the number. So he was number 30, you know, that was his number. So we, I just still under the one C and then, you know, brought Bruce on board. So he's part of the team and we still kept pioneer and, and, um, you know, Keith and, um, you know, Vince James of the and towing and, and Nick Gatto is still doing our engines and, and, you know, just Bruce came to our team really. Oh, that's, you know, I never even thought of it that way. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I've ever heard of someone bringing on a, basically a sponsor by saying, let's change the number. That's, that's actually pretty different. Well, you know, a lot of guys, you know, you know, it'd be like, Hey, you know, you know, Glenn, you know, and, and, you know, you know, if, if Glenn wanted to cut back and, you know, only spend a fraction of the money and this way he could, you know, be the 126 and, and it wouldn't affect our team or, you know, or, you know, whether it be Norm to the 357 or, you know, anybody like that, right? Or, you know, Bruce, Bruce is number 30. It was his number and his, his, um, his wish. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of how that all that's transpired. Pretty, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I did want to bring up one in particular race of your recent career, we'll call it. Um, let's see how much you can remember from this day. I wasn't there. I've watched footage on YouTube, thankfully. Uh, I keep hearing stories and people still talk about it to this day. You beating the super dirt guys at Grandview with a small block. Yeah, it was just, um, you know, you, you can't do that nowadays, right? Because when you go big block racing, you can only run a big block. And, you know, they were trying to, you know, they needed cars down here. And, you know, they, you know, they, they just wanted more cars in the pit. So they opened up the rules a little bit for the Grandview guys. And, you know, it was still a huge expense, you know, to, to come and you, know, you buy a dirt license and you got to buy Hoosiers and, and, you know, so a lot of guys couldn't do it. So they just opened the rules up. So more of the small block guys came and I mean, it was, you know, once the feature was on the track, that was, you know, we very, I think we got, um, well, we got last in the heat race cause it is time dash. So obviously we had the slowest car in the, in the heat race or in warmups or, or time dash actually. And, you know, we've, we've got up to whatever in the heat race and I think we started third or fourth in the Conti and wound up finishing first or second, I forget, but the track was going away and the big blocks were spinning their tires more. So I just, I just, my goal was to get in the show and, you know, get up as far as we could. And did you, so you knew the track was starting to go away. Did you think after the Concy thinking we might have something here? Well, we knew the track, you know, you know, the track's going to go away or those big blocks and, you know, spin, you know, just, you know, they're wearing the track out. So we knew we'd have something, but I don't know that any of us knew that it would be, you know, a win, you know, you're maybe shooting for, you know, top 10 or a top five possibly. And, um, yeah, but it just kept rolling and and um, kept picking them one by one and yeah, that's yeah, it was pretty pretty cool night. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, like I said, there's still people talking about that race to this day. It's uh, it's you know, I would think that if Dirt had to com- put a compilation of some of the the best moments, I mean, God, that's got to be in there somewhere. 
Well, um, I'm sure. I'm sure they're not real thrilled that they did what they did, right? Because that's oh, their whole yeah. thing. Oh yeah, you know, that, their, their whole thing is, and then it's kind of a good thing. You know, you know what you have. You know, you, everybody there has a big block, but they open it up those nights because, well, that night I should say, and and um, just to get more cars because there's only twelve or, you know, ten or twelve dirt guys that were traveling the, the series, you know, and. You can't run a race with 15 cars. No, no, no. That's the biggest problem I see pretty much with the, all the traveling series is it's there's not a ton of people that are committed to doing the full deal. And you really have to hope that the home crowd has some support from the the area guys or else you're not going to have a good event at all. Yeah, exactly. You know, whether it's traveling, the, you know, the you know, going to Delaware or whatever, you know, the locals, you know, the locals, um, you know, come and, and race. And, and it's the same way when the outlaws come, right? I mean, if the outlaws come to Williams Grove, if, if only outlaws were there. Oh, my God. They'd only have 10 cars, yep. right? Yep. So, yeah, it's, I think it just made it different was Grandview. You know, they, the, you know, the only thing Dirt could do to get more cars was open up, you know, lax the rules a little bit. And they just left the small blocks run and, um, so, but they won't make that mistake again. <laughs> no, and I'm pretty sure uh, people have said that you're the reason for that. So, hey, at least you could say you you made a yeah. whole change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm I'm sure that's a. I, I know that's a reason. You know, and and you know, if it was a small block race, you know, if if we would go to I don't know wherever, you know, and and you know. You know, big big block, big diamond, right? And and you know, we went there with respect. We we don't stand a chance against big blocks at big diamond just because the track layout and the way things are. But with Grandview being small and slippery, and and you know, this small block had an advantage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you you go to any of them half miles in New York, you can pretty much just stay home. But um, yeah, no, it sure. just just fell your way, and you know, in your regard, I'm sure just knowing that place like the back of your hand definitely played a part. Um, you know, one thing I did want to also bring up before we get into our green, white checkered segment was I've watched your heat races at Grandview for so long now. And I have to say there's an appreciation, almost an art to at least my viewpoint of what you do in a heat race. It seems like, you know, we know that there's guys like Cressley who are just going to go to the top and try and pass as many cars as quickly as possible. You have a a way of handling your heat races where it's almost like you sit and wait a little bit, let everyone kind of sort themselves out, and then you go to work and you pick them off one at a time and, and it just like a knife through butter. Is that part of your game plan every week or am I just seeing something? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you just can't, you know, if, if you know you're starting 11th and 8th race and, and Doug Manmiller's in front of you or, you know, you, you kind of, like, I don't look at the lineup, right? Because you can't worry about it. You just, because, you know, everybody thinks, oh, you know, Doug's there, he's going to do this or, or, you know, Jeff's on the outside, he's going to do that. And mm-hmm. it, it, it just changes because you could, you could, go out there and now the guy that starts on the pole doesn't start so now it changes the lineup you know now you're now you're on the outside instead of the inside so everything you just worry about for the last freaking half hour 
was for nothing. So you just got to take it as it comes down there, you know, take the green and, you know, let it play out. And, you know, you got to be aggressive, but you got to, you know, keep your eye on things and, you know, see who's doing what ahead of you and, and slowly chip away. Hmm. I never thought about that way. Do you handle that with like features and stuff too? Yeah, pretty much, right? Because you know it's you know you know you just can't worry about it. you know you just you just got to let it play out a little bit and see who goes where and what you know what you know. There's nights Grandview's really good on the bottom the first couple laps, and then there's tights at nights it's good on the top the first couple nights or first couple laps. I'm sorry. So you just never know. You just never know. You just got to kind of take it. It's take it as it comes, and you know keep your nose clean in the meantime. Interesting. I've never thought of it that way, but that's that's realistically smart. I mean, you're right. At any point, any one of those guys in front of you can DNS or opt to take the rear, and it can just screw up your entire game plan. Yeah, huh. that's pretty smart. I honestly have never. And if you think about it, let's let's put it into like a football sense here. Guys are watching film all week of say the starting quarterback, and then here he injures himself on Saturday and now you have to deal with the backup and you've watched no film. Right. Interesting. Very, very interesting. All (laughs) right. Well, as we uh, get to wind this down, are you ready to get into our green, white checkered segment? Three random questions. I guess I'll, I'll try my best. (laughs) It's time for green, white checkered on the four wide salute. All right, green flag question, Craig. If you could relocate anywhere in the world, where are you headed? Wow. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things to see out the West Coast. Um, you know, Rocky Mountains, you know, Northern California. I mean, there's some things out there I'd like to see, you know. So are you more of a sunny weather beach temperature kind of thing or are you more of a cabin mountains kind of guy uh sunny weather in the beach okay okay all right that's good white flag question what's the one tv show you could watch over and over again family guy really okay (laughs) i would have never thought that to be honest never who's your favorite character on family guy quagmire (laughs) <laughs> okay okay well uh, there's a, a a giggity for you i like it hey. <laughs> all right checkered flag question uh, a little bit more of a serious question what's one piece of advice that you were given that you find yourself giving to others um doug olson told me to slow down and be fast. And okay. um, I, I've told that to people, you know, just slow, slow down and, and be fast. You know, don't, don't charge the corner. Don't, you know, right. Don't hurt, don't hurt your tires. Don't, don't scrub your speed. Um, so I, I would guess I would say that. I like it. I like it. It's, it's a, the racing's version of less is more. If you want to put it that way. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's good. Well, man, I uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. What's up for you? What's uh, you know, you said Lincoln, and then 
doing some small block stuff, Baps and um Yeah, Baps in the Grove and um Um and then Diamond, Arlen Grandy starts, and then we got Diamond and um do some midweek stuff at Bridgeport throughout the year. And um obviously the thumbnail shows and yeah. Cool. That's about what we got going. Awesome. Well, uh, if I don't see it before the opener at Diamond, of course, best of luck to you. And uh, we're going to be ready to roll shortly. All right. Well, I appreciate the call. 